Chapter 3 of The Radio Boys on the Mexican Border by Gerald Breckenridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3 A Daring Leap. At Bob's shout, the intruder who had just emerged from the Hampton cellar looked back over his shoulder. Seeing he was discovered, he broke into a desperate run. He was heading toward the front of the house where ran the long and winding drive which led to the main high road. The man shouted hoarsely, and from the front of the house came the sound of a powerful motor engine being set in motion. "'He's got a car waiting for him!' cried Bob, who was in the lead. "'Drat the luck! He'll escape us yet!' "'Hey, Bob! We can cut him off at the gut!' called Frank, and he struck away at a tangent from their course as the man disappeared around the house and the motor car could be heard roaring off down the drive. right -o! cried Bob, and he followed his chum. Old Davy had dropped far behind, and Mr. Temple and Tom Barnum were laboring along some yards in the rear of the two boys and steadily losing ground. "'Careful, boys!' called Mr. Temple gaspingly as he grasped the meaning of the boys' maneuver. "'Don't be rash! There may be several of them!' "'All right, Dad!' sang out Bob over his shoulder. "'We'll be careful! Follow along!' The boys were heading for a place in the woods where the drive ran between six-foot banks before turning a sharp corner cars perforce had to be slowed up going through this place which the boys called the gut furthermore the drive approached this place by a winding circuitous route while the boys were not far distant from it by the short cut through the woods which they were following chances were even that they would be in time to intercept the fugitives yet what could they do even if they did arrive in time they gave no thought to that as they crashed through the underbrush Bob, slightly in the lead, reached the top of the bank overhanging the road ahead of his comrade and experienced a thrill of triumph as he heard the roar of approaching car and realized he had arrived first. The car slowed down as it entered the gut. Evidently, the driver remembered the perilous place from when he had driven through on approaching the house. The car passed below, going at a snail's pace while Frank was still a short distance in the rear and Mr. Temple and Tom Barnum were not yet in sight. It was an open touring car with the top folded back. There were three men in it, one on the seat beside the driver and the third in the rear. He was the man who had entered the Hampton house. The driver appeared to be a New York taxi chauffeur and probably had been employed for the trip. The others were swarthy men, foreign in appearance. The man beside the driver, looking up, saw Bob and shouted. At that moment, the car passed directly beneath him and Bob leaped. He landed on the running board beside the rear seat steadying himself as the car lurched from the impact of his weight bob reached in and grasped the man on the rear seat by the coat collar and half pulled him from the car so that his body lay across the door then the unexpected occurred the driver opened his throttle and the car leaped ahead and at the same time the man beside him stood up and struck at bob bob leaned back to avoid the blow and the next moment he found himself flat on his back in the road with the car disappearing around the curve Frank, who by now had reached the top of the bank, dropped to the road beside him and bent over him with real anxiety in his voice as he said, Bob, Bob, are you hurt? Ruefully rubbing the back of his head, Bob sat up. No, said he, but they got away, Frank. Again there was a crashing in the underbrush on the top of the bank, and Mr. Temple and Tom Barnum came into view, red and perspiring. Escaped you, hey? said Mr. Temple, leaping to the road as Bob scrambled to his feet. But say, I see you captured something all right, and he pointed at the coat clutched fast in Bob's hand. Then for the first time Bob noticed that in falling from the car he had dragged his victim's coat with him. He held it up and looked at it curiously. He must have been wriggling out of his coat when he found you wouldn't let go, surmised Frank. 
I could see him threshing around just as I came up to the top of the bank. Then you fell and held on tight, and the coat was pulled from him. Yeah, I guess that's the way it happened, assented Bob. Well, I'd rather have had the fellow. This isn't any good to me, and he tossed the coat away contemptuously. Not so fast, Bob, said Frank, stooping to pick up the garment. Let's see what's in the pockets. There may be a clue as to the man's identity. That's right, Frank, said Mr. Temple. Search it well. And, Bob, did you notice the license number of the car? We can telephone and have it intercepted. No, confessed Bob. I was too busy to get that. Frank interrupted the conversation with a shout of delight. Look at this, he cried, holding up a long strip of paper. Return trip ticket to Ransom, New Mexico, and a wallet with a big bunch of bills in it. And here, what's this, he added, holding up a thick legal-looking envelope. Why, Mr. Hampton's name is written on it. Let me have that, Frank, said Mr. Temple, extending his hand. Frank passed him the envelope. Mr. Temple noted the seal had been broken, and opening it, he pulled out a thick document, down which he ran his glance hurriedly. Then his face became grave. Boys, he said, Mr. Hampton has many things of value in his home, but this was the most valuable of all. Briefly, he explained the paper contained a list of names of independents in the oil field, together with other information, which would give the octopus a very great advantage in the business war between the oil trust and the independents if the document fell into its hands. This is pretty serious business, boys, Mr. Temple continued. Bob, you were very rash, but you did a good stroke of business that time. Come, he added. We'll go back to the house and call up the police. Maybe that car can be stopped and its occupants arrested. As they turned through the woods, another thought occurred to Mr. Temple, and he asked Frank what was the name of the man to whom the railroad ticket had been issued. Jose Morales, read Frank. This is the portion for the return trip from New York. Evidently the man came from, why, Mr. Temple, he came here from Ransom, New Mexico. That's the nearest station on the railroad to the Hamptons' camp. You're right, my boy, said Mr. Temple gravely. There is some mystery here. Frank thwacked Bob gleefully on the back. Say, Bob, he declared, old Jack isn't having all the fun after all, is he? End of chapter 3